0: I think we have to begin our prayer this evening by noticing the striking contrast that we experience today. The contrast between Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. Ashes and gluten-free chocolate roses. These two, this collision, as it were, of two different visions of love. And I don't want to get cranky about Valentine's Day and the, the schmaltziness of it and all of that. It's fine, it's grand. But it is significant and maybe to help us remind ourselves uh, this prayer that, you know, we have ashes placed in our head today. It's a very powerful and attractive symbol. People want the ashes. And one of the things that those ashes are a symbol of is what you and I will most definitely be one day, dust. It's a memento mori, a reminder of the eventuality of death. But it's a reminder that's given us today so that we might wake ourselves up and prepare ourselves to grow in our belief and trust in a love that conquers death, a love that's stronger than death. And the church wants us to realize that this love is so real, it's so powerful. It needs to be the foundation of our life and that we need 40 days to prepare ourselves for the liturgical experience of that love, the celebration of Easter Sunday. In fact, the celebration of Holy Week, which is our opportunity to re-love, relive those uh, moments where God reveals his love for you and for me, and he shows us what it involves in his suffering, in his death, and in his resurrection. So today we begin that journey, today we begin that preparation with that reminder that we are dust and to dust we shall return and as we glance sideways at Valentine's Day and all of its neon glitter and and commercialized promotion of romantic love, we want to remind ourselves and give thanks to God for the true genuine love that is on offer. Lord, right now in my prayer I wanna ask you for the grace of conversion. Maybe better yet, I want the grace to want to convert, to break up the hardness of my heart, to melt it, to thaw it out. To prepare ourselves for all of this and to continue in our prayer, I'd like to structure our meditation this evening around uh, Pope Francis's message for Lent this year 2018. It's very brief but it's very insightful and I think can be a good guide for us, give us some helpful insights about how we might live these upcoming days in a very good way. Pope Francis tells us with this message I would like again this year to help the entire church experience this time of grace anew, with joy and in truth. I will take my cue from the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold." Right? So this. This passage from the Gospel of Matthew is the light motif that Pope Francis is suggesting for us for the living of Lent. I think it's kind of striking. Because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. The Holy Father with this, I think, very helpfully calls our attention trying to wake us up to what might be happening to us without our realizing it. How the increase of iniquity, indifference to God, evil, even hatred of the Christian faith, how the increase of that around us, perhaps just because we're more aware of it, because we experience it, because we probably read too much news, whatever the reason may be, that one of the consequences is that the love of many will grow cold. Is that happening to me? You know, thinking about this, I was reminded, uh, several days ago, I was at a a funeral and I I shook the hands of an elderly lady. And as I shook her hand, she said, "Oh, your hands are cold. And I said, oh gosh, I'm sorry, you know. (laughs) But it just struck me, I didn't feel them, I didn't feel that they were cold. I don't know if this happens to you. I I kind of, afterwards I felt my hand with my other hand and I was like, oh yeah, it is kind of cold. But I didn't feel that it was cold. Didn't realize it, it just happened because this is the weather that we're having right now. But the blood had gone out of my hands and therefore it was cold. It was gone out of my hands probably to keep the rest of me warm, that was freezing as well. But just a simple example of how this coldness can seep in gradually without any extraordinary outward sign, without our realizing it. And Pope Francis is suggesting that this time of Lent is an opportunity For you and me to react. To react to the ways in which we are growing cold in our fervor, in our devotion. And to see our penance and our renewed prayer as a life-giving response to the iniquity around us. This is what I think is actually very beautiful about the Holy Father's message, how positive it is. I think it's very easy to see and to notice this loss of faith, this rejection of God that can surround us, the difficulties, the moral confusion, but what am I gonna do about it? Well, one option, unfortunately, that quite a few people take is to moan and lament and get pessimistic and read too many Catholic blogs and uh, complain and get in... You know, lament. But the other option that we have is to live Lent as my personal choice to react against the way that that moral confusion has been, perhaps without my realizing it, discouraging me. Discourage me in the sense of making me not believe that it makes much of a difference if I decide to be every day a soul of prayer. Discourage me from my efforts to try to the best of my abilities to live a wholehearted Christian witness my friends and where you study and in your family. That subtle tendency that all of us have, the temptation at least, to go with the flow. Well, let's stop lamenting the circumstances outside of ourselves and let's take this Lent for all it's worth and to say, Lord, even though all of this iniquity, as you said, increases around me i want to grow hot i want my love to increase i want to contribute to the building up of your presence in the world instead of looking around and wondering why you're not more visibly active and in the holy father's message he having cited this passage from matthew's gospel as the leitmotif that he's suggesting for the season event, Lent, he comes back, as I think he does every year, to consider, very briefly, the three traditional elements of Lent, which always have been a part of Lent from the beginning. Prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. And as we consider them now, and, and I just want to make some, a few considerations about each of these elements, Let's remember these are three exercises aimed at strengthening my response to evil. I want to overwhelm evil in an abundance of good and that good needs to overflow from me. And I'm not going to wait for it to just happen. I'm not going to expect it to be an automatic response. I want to hear Jesus saying to me, repent and believe the good news. Don't be bedazzled or overwhelmed by the arrogance of perhaps the anti-Christian environment that surrounds you. Do not be afraid. As Pope Francis says, I urge the members of the Church to take up the Lenten journey with enthusiasm, sustained by almsgiving, fasting, and prayer. If at times the flame of charity seems to die in our own hearts, know that this is never the case in the heart of God. He constantly gives us a chance to begin loving anew. And that's the real motive for our hope. Whatever about your heart and mine getting hot, lukewarm or cold, the heart of God never grows cold. So right now as you're praying, as I'm praying, facing these 40 days of Lent that await, don't worry if you don't feel enthusiastic about this. It's not a question of enthusiasm. Let's have faith that the heart of God precedes us and sustains us. That's what I want to rely on. That's what I want to come into contact with. And if I do, even just a little bit, that's all the difference. That's where the grace of conversion comes from. And as we consider prayer and almsgiving and fasting, we want to do so by being attracted to what these practices make available to us. Just thinking of fasting, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's, for this is very prominent among young men who want to sculpt their physique as much as possible. There is a thing called intermittent fasting. Okay, so these guys who go to gyms and weight training and all this sort of stuff, one of the big things they do is called intermittent fasting. What this involves is not eating for 18 hours at a stretch. Right? So they'll not eat for 18 hours and they'll come back and then they'll you know, chow down on all sorts of protein and powder shakes and all this sort of stuff and then not eat for 18 hours. And there's a, all sorts of like material and YouTube videos on this. It's a whole, it's a thing, okay? <laughs> it's a thing. Fasting for physical physique. It's a thing, it's a value that they're after. I don't know if it's the highest value. I don't know if it's worth all of that. I don't feel it is, but when people are willing to sacrifice things, they're doing it for a value. When you and I think about today, Ash Wednesday, we haven't had meat, we've been trying to observe some sort of fast, why? Why do I want to try to live a little bit more penance in these days of Lent? What will it give me? What what can I grow in? Well, it'll give us a greater freedom of spirit, a sensitivity to God and to others, more energy for the good, the good that we want to do, but sometimes find ourselves too weak or distracted or timid to actually carry out. Because one of the reasons why we want to challenge ourselves with penance, and yes, a penance that we feel, we'll come to this when we talk about fasting, is because Lent is a chance for us to really face down a fear of discomfort and suffering. because it's a really insidious fear. This fear of, in inverted commas, not being happy. It's a plague, that fear, because it prevents us from facing the challenges that will help us grow. It prevents us from growing in those challenges, both humanly and supernaturally. And, the penance that the Church invites us and has always, throughout the centuries, invites us to live in this time of Lent is a chance for you and me to face that fear and be free of it so that I can be free for the spiritual values that I actually do care about but so often procrastinate or put off in the actual living of them. That's why we want to not kind of dread Lent and Fridays and Lent, or whatever it may be. But look forward to it. So prayer. Pope Francis, in talking about prayer in the message to Lent says, by devoting more time to prayer, we enable our hearts to root out our secret lies and forms of self-deception, and then to find the consolation that God offers. He is our father and he wants us to live life well. This is what prayer can help us do in Lent. Let's just consider this point briefly about rooting out what Pope Francis says are secret lies in forms of self-deception. I don't know if you've ever seen a small child do this, or maybe you did it when you were a small child yourself, but covering up their eyes so that they can't see, and then they imagine that they've in that moment become invisible, right? So since they can't see, no one can see them, right? So I'm hiding because I can't see, I become invisible. Now it's kind of silly and cute when we see a three-year-old do this, But psychologically, it's something that we can do with our sins, with our spiritual rebellions. Think that if I hide them from myself, no one else can see them. They just disappear. Sweep them under the rug. And one of the ways that we do this, covering our eyes, is by not praying. Or by praying in a superficial way in a very talky, kind of navel-gazing way. Instead of pulling my hands away from my eyes and looking Jesus in the eye and wanting to stand calmly and serenely, transparently in the light of his love, that's the kind of prayer God wants to give us in these days of Lent, to free us from those secret lies and forms of self-deception. And the thing is, if there were no God, or if God were not merciful, those secret lies and self-deception would be pretty understandable. Because if there's no solution to my sin, well, then it makes a lot of sense that I bury it, that I try to hide it, because otherwise life would be unbearable. What would I do with all of this guilt? I have to get rid of it somewhere, and if it's not, and if I can't take it to God, well, then I just need to bury it. But precisely because God is mercy, I don't need to bury it. I don't need to cover my eyes. I need to do the opposite. I need to do the opposite because the goal is to be free of that sin, not to wallow in it and you know, spend a lot of time on my prayer this time in Lent of, oh, I don't do this right and I'm horrible here and I'm a real failure in this and I just did an examination of conscience that has 87 questions and I have four pages in a notebook filled. No, that, that's not the goal of Lent to wallow in our sinfulness. The goal of Lent is to, with simplicity, sincerity, to confess our sins, so as to be free from it and to look at God and to look at others. And this is greatly helped by prayer. And prayer, and you see this in in the sense of Lent as an exercise. If I can come back to the gym metaphor, an exercise I need to make time for, it's gonna happen at this day. And I don't want you to be afraid of making an effort to do it. Sometimes overcoming discomfort, overcoming distraction, overcoming sleepiness, whatever the excuse may be. Today in the Mass of Ash Wednesday, the opening prayer of the liturgy says, Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting this campaign of Christian service so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint. Bracing martial language. Perhaps images and metaphors that we're not used to using, but it's nevertheless helpful that the liturgy reminds us of this, that life is real. It's not a Hollywood movie. It's real, it's hard, it's difficult, and God is a protagonist and he's calling us to not be afraid to follow him. Almsgiving, giving money to the poor, sacrificing, giving away things. Pope Francis says, almsgiving sets us free from greed and helps us to regard our neighbor as a brother or sister. Now, when we think about giving away money, I appreciate that none of us here would consider us ourselves greedy in the sense of hoarding away large sums of money in a Swiss bank account. I don't think. I mean, unless you have some sort of secret that I'm unaware of. <laughs> right? So that's not the issue of us having squirreled away um, large wealth that we need to start giving to the poor. But In Lent, each of us in whatever our financial circumstances may be, whatever it is to say, what can I give? And this is for a spiritual good, not because I think I'm gonna crack the the problem of, of poverty or social injustice around me, but because I need to sacrifice, to give away, so to think about things, you know, and, and want to, to that freedom, and wanting that freedom, think about practical things. What if I gave away that morning cappuccino, that three euro, that, or four, or five, depending on where you go. Huh? What if I, each day, instead of spending that on my morning cappuccino, I gave that to the needy? I don't know, maybe that would be a bigger sacrifice than writing a 2,000 euro check. I don't know, that morning cappuccino. Hmm. But maybe we need to think not only of money, maybe we need to realize that if the goal of almsgiving, is, as Pope Francis said, is to set us free from greed, maybe we need to think about how we can be actually quite greedy with our time. We treat our time as one of our greatest treasures. And maybe that's the treasure that we tend to hoard for ourselves. And we're really jealous about it. And we think we need a lot of it. Because if I have this little bit of work, well, I also need that cushion time for me. And then I've got to see the Netflix series because this episode has just come out. And then I I really need about those four hours cushioning the thing that I have to do because... We can think in those terms. But what about being generous with that time for others? Service. Availability. Spending time with my friends, seeking them out. Feeling the pinch of not having as much time as I would like. You know? And to not be afraid of that. But to kind of get out of that comfort zone giving the alms of our time. Fasting, Pope Francis says, fasting weakens our tendency to violence. It disarms us and becomes an important opportunity for growth. On the one hand, it allows us to experience what the destitute and the starving have to endure On the other hand, it expresses our own spiritual hunger and thirst for life in God. Fasting wakes us up. It makes us more attentive to God in our neighbor. A very attractive way to think about this ancient practice of fasting, it disarms us. Personally, I never thought of fasting in those terms before reading this message. You know, eating as much as I want, whenever I want, dismissing comfort before it even arrives. Right? Can't that kind of lifestyle foster a kind of arrogance and self-sufficiency? You know, the fact that I can go through my day without ever physically experiencing need or lack, and as soon as I do, boom, I have a convenience store, I have a snack machine, I have my water bottle, I have whatever I need at easy disposition to instantly take away that experience of discomfort. What Pope Francis is suggesting is that kind of breeds a sense that I'm the emperor at the center of my own life controlling all that I survey. Now, I caricaturize it a little bit, but maybe it's no harm that we acknowledge how choosing, not because I have to, not because I feel guilty if I don't, but because I want to go without, and go without so that yes, I feel a tinge of hunger. The tummy rumbles, right? Little pinch. Not with this intermittent fasting business, but, you know, just enough to to notice it. And I want to do that not to prove anything to God. I'm not trying to flex my spiritual muscles. But I want to disarm myself. Lord, I need you. I want to hunger for you. I want to be more sensitive to the fact that disgracefully, right now, as, we are, as I am talking and as you are praying, not five, 10, 15, 100, but hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are starving, but for real, not fasting, starving. And that's not to make me feel bad or you know, make me feel guilty, it's to just say, it's just not okay for me to act like that doesn't exist. to be callous, and fasting is a way for me to peel back that callous, so that I have a heart that's alive, life to love, alive for generosity. Also, fasting, you know, and this is part of the wisdom of the Catholic Church, fasting is realistic. You and I are not spirits, or kind of minds, that have this little machine called the body that carries our mind around, which is the real me. You know, it's kind of my, my neurons and everything firing in there. I am also a body. My body is me. And fasting is not anger at the body, trying to punish it or wish that I didn't have a body. Rather, by disarming my self-sufficiency and my tendency to a certain arrogance, fasting can help my embodied life become precisely what unites me to God and to others. Not being so caught up in my feelings and what I feel, but to be a little bit have distance from that. More self-possession in my body And that doesn't come easily, you know? Especially when we have everything that we need and more. When we don't, in the normal course of events, experience physical discomfort. I want to go out and seek it because I want to train my spirit and my body to be free. Free to love God and free to love others. It is very true, and importantly true, that our Christian faith is a faith of joy. Attitudes of Christians should be of a sincere cheerfulness, without any fear of life and its challenges. But this joy and this cheerfulness does not mean that we're oblivious to the real suffering and evil that surrounds us, that would just be, I don't know, some sort of Pollyannish spirituality, you know, rose-colored glasses or something like that, positive thinking. Our Christian faith, Jesus on the cross, takes the hardship, the pain, and yes, in certain cases, the horror of this world seriously. It takes it on and it does business with it, redeems it, saves it. Because that's true, you and I can have a joy that's real, that has substance. St. Josemaria used to say that he wanted all Christians to have a joy whose roots were in the shape of a cross. Well, that's the joy that you and I have the next 40 days to train ourselves in. And let's take advantage of the fact that it's 40 days. So when you think about what I wanna do in Lent, how I want to pray more, how I want to live this almsgiving, how fasting can be a part of uniting me to God and others. Don't think that you have to do this for the rest of your life. Just think, what am I gonna do for the next 40 days? Even look on the calendar, you know, when does Holy Week start? And I'm gonna commit myself to these 40 days. Afterwards, we'll see what happens. Don't know. I'll decide in 40 days if I keep it going. But at least for the next 40 days, this is what I wanna do. I wanna commit myself to this. And I wanna do it in hope. I wanna do it in faith. That this will make a difference. Hope because I trust that God is calling me to this deeper conversion and that I have all the grace that I need and these days ahead to discover, maybe in a way that I've never experienced before, the joy of the cross. The penance should not be a scary word, but one that opens me up to a more genuine and authentic experience of God's love and the joy that that love brings. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my father-in-law, my guardian angel, a receipt for me.